Chapter Fifteen of the Junior Classics, Volume Seven Stories of Courage and Heroism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Junior Classics, Volume Seven Stories of Courage and Heroism by William Patton. The Brave Queen of Hungary by Charlotte M. Young. Of all the possessions of the old kingdom of Hungary, none was more valued than what was called the Crown of St. Stephen, so called from one which had, in the year 1000, been presented by Pope Sylvester II to Stephen, the second Christian Duke and first King of Hungary. A crown and a cross were given to him for his coronation, which took place in the Church of the Holy Virgin at Alba Regale, also called in German Weissenburg, where thenceforth the kings of Hungary were anointed to begin their troubled reigns, and at the close of them were laid to rest beneath the pavement, where most of them might have used the same epitaph as the old Italian leader he rests here who never rested before for it was a wild realm bordered on all sides by foes with poland bohemia and austria ever casting greedy eyes upon it and afterwards with the turk upon the southern border while the magyars or hungarian nobles themselves were a fierce and untamable race bold and generous but brooking little control, claiming a voice in choosing their own sovereign, and to resist him even by force of arms if he broke the laws. No prince had a right to their allegiance, unless he had been crowned with St. Stephen's crown, but if he had once worn that sacred circle, he thenceforth was held as the only lawful monarch, unless he should flagrantly violate the Constitution. In 1076, another crown had been given by the Greek emperor to Geza, king of Hungary, and the sacred crown combined the two. It had the two arches of the Roman crown, and the gold circlet of the Constantinopolitan, and the difference of workmanship was evident. In the year 1439 died King Albert, who had been appointed king of Hungary in right of his wife queen elizabeth he left a little daughter only four years old and as the magyars had never been governed by a female hand they proposed to send and offer their crown and the hand of their young widowed queen to vladislas the king of poland but elizabeth had hopes of another child and in case it should be a son she had no mind to give away its rights to its father's throne. How, then, was she to help herself among the proud and determined nobles of her court? One thing was certain, that if once the Polish king were crowned with St. Stephen's crown, it would be his own fault if he were not king of Hungary as long as he lived. But if the crown were not to be found, of course, he could not receive it, and the fealty of the nobles would not be pledged to him. 
the most trustworthy person she had about her was helen cottoner the lady who had the charge of her little daughter princess elizabeth and to her she confided her desire that the crown might be secured so as to prevent the polish party from getting access to it helen herself has written down the history of these strange events and of her own struggles of mind at the risk she ran and the doubt whether good would come of the intrigue and there can be no doubt that whether the queen's conduct were praiseworthy or not helen dared a great peril for the sake purely of loyalty and fidelity the queen's commands she says sorely troubled me for it was a dangerous venture for me and my little children and i turned it over in my mind what i should do for i had no one to take counsel of but god alone and i thought if i did it not and evil arose therefrom i should be guilty before god and the world so i consented to risk my life on this difficult undertaking but desired to have some one to help me this was permitted but the first person to whom the lady of cottoner confided her intention a croat lost his color from alarm looked like one half dead and went at once in search of his horse the next thing that was heard of him was that he had had a bad fall from his horse and had been obliged to return to croatia and the queen remained much alarmed at her plans being known to one so faint-hearted however a more courageous confidant was afterwards found in a hungarian gentleman whose name has become illegible in helen's old manuscript the crown was in the vaults of the strong castle of plintenburg also called visegrad which stands upon a bend of the danube about twelve miles from the twin cities of buda and pest it was in a case within a chest sealed with many seals and since the king's death it had been brought up by the nobles who closely guarded both it and the queen into her apartments and there examined and replaced it in the chest the next night one of the queen's ladies upset a wax taper without being aware of it and before the fire was discovered and put out the corner of the chest was singed and a hole burnt in the blue velvet cushion that lay on the top upon this the lords had caused the chest to be taken down again into the vault and had fastened the doors with many locks and with seals the castle had further been put into the charge of ladislas von gara the queen's cousin and ban or hereditary commander of the border troops and he had given it over to a burggraf or seneschal who had placed his bed in the chamber where was the door leading to the vaults the queen removed to comorn a castle higher up the danube in charge of her faithful cousin count ulrich of ailey taking with her her little daughter elizabeth helen cottoner and two other ladies this was the first stage on the journey to pressburg where the nobles had wished to lodge the queen and from thence she sent back helen to bring the rest of the maids of honor 
and her goods to join her at Comorn. It was early spring, and snow was still on the ground, and the lady of Cottoner and her faithful nameless assistant traveled in a sledge. But two Hungarian noblemen went with them, and they had to be most careful in concealing their arrangements. Helen had with her the queen's signet and keys, and her friend had a file in each shoe, and keys under his black velvet dress. On arriving in the evening, they found that the Burggraf had fallen ill, and could not sleep in the chamber leading to the vault, because it belonged to the ladies' chambers, and that he had therefore put a cloth over the padlock of the door and sealed it. There was a stove in the room, and the maidens began to pack up their clothes there, an operation that lasted till eight o'clock. While Helen's friends stood there, talking and jesting with them, trying all the while to hide the files, and contriving to say to Helen, Take care that we have a light. So she begged the old housekeeper to give her plenty of wax tapers, as she had many prayers to say. At last every one was gone to bed, and there only remained in the room with Helen an old woman, whom she had brought with her, who knew no German, and was fast asleep. Then the accomplice came back through the chapel, which opened into this same hall. He had on his black velvet gown and felt shoes, and was followed by a servant, who, Helen says, was bound to him by oath, and had the same Christian name as himself, this being evidently an additional bond of fidelity. Helen, who had received from the queen all the keys of this outer room, let them in, and after the Burgraf's cloth and seal had been removed, they unlocked the padlock and the other two locks of the outer door of the vault, and the two men descended into it. There were several other doors, whose chains required to be filed through, and their seals and locks broken, and to the ears of the waiting Helen the noise appeared fatally loud. She says, I devoutly prayed to God and the Holy Virgin that they would support and help me, yet I was in greater anxiety for my soul than for my life, and I prayed to God that he would be merciful to my soul, and rather let me die at once there than that anything should happen against his will, or that should bring misfortune on my country and people. She fancied she heard a noise of armed men at the chapel door, but finding nothing there, believed that it was a spirit, and returning to her prayers, vowed, poor lady, to make a pilgrimage to St. Maria Zell in Styria, if the Holy Virgin's intercessions obtained their success, and till the pilgrimage could be made, to forego every Saturday night my feather bed. After another false alarm at a supposed noise at the maiden's door, she ventured into the vault to see how her companions were getting on, when she found that they had filed away all the locks, except that of the case containing the crown, and this they were obliged to burn, in spite of their apprehension that the smell and smoke might be observed. They then shut up the chest, replaced the padlocks and chains with those they had brought for the purpose, and renewed the seals with the queen's signet, which, bearing the royal arms, would baffle detection that the seals had been tampered with. 
they then took the crown into the chapel where they found a red velvet cushion so large that by taking out some of the stuffing a hiding place was made in which the crown was deposited and the cushion sewn up over it by this time day was dawning the maidens were dressing and it was the hour for setting off for comorn the old woman who had waited on them came to the lady of cottoner to have her wages paid and be dismissed to buddha while she was waiting she began to remark on a strange thing lying by the stove which to the lady helen's great dismay she perceived to be a bit of the case in which the crown was kept she tried to prevent the old woman from noticing it pushed it into the hottest part of the stove and by way of further precaution took the old woman away with her on the plea of asking the queen to make her a bead's woman at vienna and this was granted to her when all was ready the gentleman desired his servant to take the cushion and put it into the sledge designed for himself and the lady of cottoner the man took it on his shoulders hiding it under an old ox hide with the tail hanging down to the laughter of all beholders helen further records the trying to get some breakfast in the market-place and finding nothing but herrings also the going to mass and the care she took not to sit upon the holy crown though she had to sit on its cushion in the sledge they dined at an inn but took care to keep the cushion in sight and then in the dusk crossed the danube on the ice which was becoming very thin and halfway across it broke under the maiden's carriage so that helen expected to be lost in the danube crown and all however though many packages were lost under the ice her sledge got safe over as well as all the ladies some of whom she took into her conveyance and all safely arrived at the castle of comorn late in the evening the very hour of their arrival a babe was born to the queen and to her exceeding joy it was a son count von ailey hearing that a king and friend was born to him had bonfires lighted and a torchlight procession on the ice that same night and early in the morning came the archbishop of gran to christen the child the queen wished her faithful helen to be godmother but helen refused in favor of some lady whose family it was probably needful to propitiate she took off the little princess elizabeth's mourning for her father and dressed her in red and gold all the maidens appeared in gay apparel and there was great rejoicing and thanksgiving when the babe was christened ladislas after a sainted king of hungary illustration then he offered a fervent prayer of thanks the peril was however far from ended for many of the magyars had no notion of accepting an infant for their king and by easter the king of poland was advancing upon buddha to claim the realm to which he had been invited no one had discovered the abstraction of the crown and elizabeth's object was to take her child to weissenburg and there have him crowned so as to disconcert the polish party she had sent to buddha for cloth of gold to make him a coronation dress but it did not come in time 
and helen therefore shut herself into the chapel at comorn and with doors fast bolted cut up a rich and beautiful vestment of his grandfather's the emperor sigismund of red and gold with silver spots and made it into a tiny coronation robe with surplus and humeral or shoulder-piece the stole and banner the gloves and shoes the queen was much alarmed by a report that the polish party meant to stop her on her way to weissenburg and if the baggage should be seized and searched the discovery of the crown might have fatal consequences helen on this observed that the king was more important than the crown and that the best way would be to keep them together so she wrapped up the crown in a cloth and hid it under the mattress of his cradle with a long spoon for mixing his pap upon the top so said the queen he might take care of his crown himself on tuesday before whitsunday the party set out escorted by count ulrich and several other knights and nobles after crossing the danube in a large boat the queen and her little girl were placed in a carriage or more probably a litter the other ladies rode and the cradle and its precious contents were carried by four men but this the poor little lasla as helen shortens his lengthy name resented so much that he began to scream so loud that she was forced to dismount and carry him in her arms along a road rendered swampy by much rain they found all the villages deserted by the peasants who had fled into the woods and as most of their lords were of the other party they expected an attack so the little king was put into the carriage with his mother and sister and the ladies formed a circle round it that if any one shot at the carriage we might receive the stroke when the danger was over the child was taken out again for he would be content nowhere but in the arms of either his nurse or of faithful helen who took turns to carry him on foot nearly all the way sometimes in a high wind which covered them with dust sometimes in great heat sometimes in rain so heavy that helen's fur pelisse with which she covered his cradle had to be wrung out several times they slept at an inn round which the gentlemen lighted a circle of fires and kept watch all night weissenburg was loyal five hundred armed gentlemen came out to meet them and on whitsun eve they entered the city helen carrying her little king in her arms in the midst of a circle of these five hundred holding their naked swords aloft on whit sunday helen rose early bathed the little fellow who was twelve weeks old that day and dressed him he was then carried in her arms to the church beside his mother according to the old hungarian customs the choir door was closed the burghers were within and would not open till the new monarch should have taken the great coronation oath to respect the hungarian liberties and laws this oath was taken by the queen in the name of her son the doors were opened and all the train entered the little princess being lifted up to stand by the organ lest she should be hurt in the throng first helen held her charge up to be confirmed 
and then she had to hold him while he was knighted with a richly adorned sword bearing the motto indestructible and by a stout hungarian knight called mikos veida who struck with such a good will that helen felt the blow on her arm and the queen cried out to him not to hurt the child the archbishop of gran anointed the little creature dressed him in the red and gold robe and put on his head the holy crown and the people admired to see how straight he held up his neck under it indeed they admired the loudness and strength of his cries when as the good lady records the noble king had little pleasure in his coronation for he wept aloud she had to hold him up for the rest of the service while count ulrich of ailey held the crown over his head and afterwards to seat him in a chair in st peter's church and then he was carried home in his cradle with the count holding the crown over his head and the other regalia borne before him and thus ladislas became king of hungary at twelve weeks old and was then carried off by his mother into austria for safety whether this secret robbery of the crown and coronation by stealth was wise or just on the mother's part is a question not easy of answer though of course she deemed it her duty to do her utmost for her child's rights of helen cotoner's deep fidelity and conscientious feeling there can be no doubt and her having acted with her eyes fully open to the risk she ran her trust in heaven overcoming her fears and terrors rendered her truly a heroine the crown has had many other adventures and afterwards was kept in an apartment of its own in the castle of Offen, with an antechamber guarded by two grenadiers the door was of iron with three locks and the crown itself was contained in an iron chest with five seals all this however did not prevent it from being taken away and lost in the revolution of eighteen forty nine end of the brave queen of hungary by charlotte m young